Hello, I'm Gary. This is episode 55 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we're going to be addressing the three main issues people bring up when you tell them you've got an electric car and they claim it won't work for them. Yep, today we're talking about the EV heretics. Before we started, I just wanted to see if you've subscribed to the EV Musings newsletter. It goes out every Tuesday and it contains a link to the podcast, some articles of interest, something to make you think, and a link to something you might want to look at purchasing. Follow the link in the show notes to see the newsletter. Read it online if you want, but it's always best to subscribe so you can get all the juicy EV goodness in your inbox. Our feature topic today concerns dealing with the heretics. I don't know about you, but I tend to get into quite a lot of conversations with people who don't own EVs. As a general rule, they're all interested in EVs as a concept, but a large proportion of them seem to think that an EV won't work for them. There are always three statements or questions that come up whenever you're discussing EVs with someone who doesn't have one. And these three are, what's the range? What about charging? Oh, but they're too expensive. Those of us who are familiar with these comments know that they're part of the fossil fuel narrative to keep people buying petrol and diesel cars as long as possible. So today I wanted to go through how you might address these comments the next time you engage in such a discussion with people. Remember, however, the goal is not to convince skeptics that they should buy an EV and that it'll always be the right choice for them because sometimes it won't be. The key is to identify where their thinking is guided by inaccurate or outdated information or a narrative that isn't correct. If we look at the first comment, it's usually, how far does it go? And what they mean is, can it go as far on a charge as my current vehicle can go on a tank of fuel? Because if it can't, I'm not even going to consider it. Now, in the past, I've tried to answer this question by saying, mine goes about 120 miles, but there are models that can do 400 miles. And the problem with this answer is that it forces you to try and disprove the fossil fuel narrative about having a large tank of quickly refillable petrol or diesel. An EV is never going to disprove that narrative. Plus, whatever figure you give them will always be compared against what their current vehicle can do. And if they have something like a diesel Vauxhall, it'll never be able to beat that. Oh, 400 miles. I get 600 miles on my tank. Not sure an EV would work for me. Instead, I find the best way to answer this question or address this sort of comment in the first place is to open the conversation by addressing the use case rather than getting specific with range. My usual answer is something along the lines of, my car will go as far as any other car on the road. I regularly do trips up to Yorkshire from Hampshire. But let me ask you a question. On a day-to-day basis, what sort of travel do you do in your car? If you get them to think about the distance requirements in these terms, it reframes the discussion from being, how far will an EV go, to, can an EV do the sort of travel I need? Most people have a regular commute, either from home to their place of work or from home to the railway station. For the vast majority of people, this will be fewer than 20 miles. On a weekday, they may go a little further afield, 50 or 60 miles. Make sure you narrow down the actual distance traveled in a single stint behind the wheel, not the overall distance traveled from A to B. I mean, if you're doing a trip from London to the south of France, you break it down into chunks. You don't say, I need a car that can do 900 miles in a single journey. Nobody drives that sort of distance safely or legally without a break. Once you get people to understand that the distance they need to be able to travel in a single stint is much less than they imagine, you can then start to have a more sensible conversation about range. At that point, you can highlight cars such as the e-Nero, the Kona, the I-Pace, the e-Soul, 
with ranges of 250 plus miles. Of course, there's always going to be someone who needs to be able to travel long distances each day as part of their work. Sales reps are an example. And sometimes it's the right thing to say, you know, you're an edge case when it comes to driving and you're not ready for an EV just yet. And leave it at that. Basically, the conversation needs to focus on need when it comes to range rather than desire. The next topic they'll then come on to will be charging. People will usually say, well, where can I charge? There aren't any chargers. And this is because they don't realize what a charger looks like. They may have already seen one at the local petrol station, but mistaken it for some sort of fancy vacuum cleaner over on the edge of the forecourt. And the fact is that there are more charger locations in the UK than petrol stations. They're just not marked as prominently as places like your local Shell or Esso garage, which will then bring them onto charging at home. The next comment will be along the lines of, I can't charge at home, I don't have a charger. Well, obviously, everybody has a charger at the house. They use it to charge their laptop, their phones, to provide power to their microwaves, Wi-Fi routers and TVs. It's called a wall socket. Every single EV on the road will charge from a wall socket. Sure, it'll take some time, but the... What was that? You can't park near your house, so you'll need a long extension cable to charge. Ah, right. You're one of the 40% of people with no off-street parking. That's a bit of a deal breaker when it comes to EVs, right? Well, actually, no. The thing you need to let people know about is that even though 40% of UK homeowners cannot charge from home, 100% of fossil fuel car owners cannot refill a home because they don't have a petrol station at their house. So we're actually improving the situation by 60%. There are numerous examples of people who own an EV but live in a place where they cannot charge at home. Co-founder of the podcast, Simon, is a prime example. But as mentioned earlier, there are literally thousands of public charges around the country, a lot of which are free to use. Tesco and Podpoint have just installed their 200th charger at Tesco stores, and they're all completely free. So instead of going shopping, then stopping at the petrol station on the way home to refill, why not plug in while you shop and go home with free electrons in your battery? You don't need a charger at home for that. If, for example, you work somewhere that has installed workplace charging, that can solve your anxiety issues right there. Public parking, shopping centres, cinemas, restaurants, hotels, these are all places where you can charge your vehicle while doing something else and come back to a charged battery. In fact, there are several park and ride facilities around the country now that have chargers where you leave your car plugged in while you head into town and it's all full and ready for you when you come back at the end of the day. New from Apple, the iPhone FF. Everything you've come to expect from the world's leading phone maker, but with one major difference, the power source. Fed up with having to plug in every night or even halfway through the day for a charge? Is streaming video, Zoom and TikTok killing your battery life? Not with the iPhone FF. Our latest iPhone powers your battery using a completely different proprietary tech. So your iPhone can go a week or longer without needing to be charged. But here's the even better news. When it does need charging, you don't even need to plug it in. All you do is bring it to your nearest Apple store or authorized reseller and we'll do all that for you. It takes about five minutes and we'll charge you just 55 pounds to do it. The new iPhone FF, bringing fossil fuel business models to 21st century tech. So now you've covered the issues of range, you've convinced them that they can charge at home and or use public charging, so having off-street parking isn't a problem. The next issue they'll always bring up is cost. They're very expensive, aren't they? To which my answer is, sometimes. 
But remember, a £30,000 EV costs the same as a £30,000 ICE vehicle. The actual purchase price is not the issue. What people are doing is comparing the base model of a range with the EV version and realising the price is different. We've talked before on this podcast about the cost of EVs, and I said at the time that the new electric Mini is priced slightly lower than the Cooper S version on which it's based. But if you're comparing it with the base model Mini, you'll be shocked at the price difference. But an EV isn't a basic model in the range. It's usually based on a higher spec model, and the price should reflect that. But here's where the narrative comes back in. In the fossil fuel model, you purchase the car, and the price is relatively low. But then, every time you use it, you're accumulating a cost per mile. And this is the cost to own and run the car. It includes servicing, road tax, fuel, etc. In the EV, these costs are either not applicable or much, much lower. But with the fossil fuel narrative, these two figures, the purchase price and the running costs, are divorced from each other. One is high and relatively hidden, the running costs, so that the other can be as low as possible, the purchase price. With an EV, there's no need to do that. When your friend starts to tell you about how much more expensive it is to buy an EV, you need to ask them if they've looked at it from a cost per month rather than just a purchase price perspective. Let's get into detail on that. I pay £290 a month for the lease on my vehicle. Road tax is zero, servicing is fixed price and it works out at around £7 per month. Electricity to charge works out at £26 per month for 1,000 miles. Total, £323. This was a 36-month lease with no deposit. Now let's do the same for the petrol version of my car. Well, actually, they no longer make the petrol version of my car, so I'm going to use the Kia Seed, which is quoted at £20,800, and it's a similar sort of vehicle. Servicing will be the same at £7 per month. Road tax is £250 a year. If I was to lease it through Kia, the payments would be £326 per month, and fuel for 12,000 miles per year will be £1,435 at the combined economy of 45.6 miles per gallon. That's £120 a month. Grand total, £460 a month. For the cheapest car Kia do, the Picanto 1 litre, the monthly repayments are £195 on a lease, road tax is £18 a month, petrol is £100 per month, total £313. This means that the base model Kia Picanto is more expensive to lease on a like-for-like basis than the sole EV I'm leasing now. Obviously, the rates I'm paying are for an 18-month-old vehicle, but the difference is quite staggering. Well, let's take a look at a vehicle that has got a direct fossil fuel equivalent, the Peugeot 208 GT line. Again, we're looking at, in this case, a lease that has a £1,000 deposit, 37 months, 12,000 miles a year. And the figures quoted are from the Peugeot Just Add Fuel finance offer, and they include insurance, servicing, and tax. The 208 GT Line 1.2 PureTech 130 E88 SNS, whatever that is, leases at £417 a month. Petrol will be £110 a month. Tax and servicing is included to give a total of £527 a month. The E208 GT Line Electric is £475 a month. Electricity for the same 1,000 miles will be approximately what I pay at the moment, £30. Total, 502 This means the Peugeot Just Add Fuel finance option for the 208 and the E208 results in the E208 actually being less expensive. Sure, if you want the base version 208 with a smaller engine and lower spec, 
the monthly payments are £315 plus petrol, but you're not comparing like for like. Let's have a look at the e-mini. Again, figures are from the Mini Finance website. This is just the lease option and doesn't include fuel insurance or road tax, so we'll add that in extra. The Mini 3-door hatch Cooper S Sport, £404 a month. Tax, £45 a month. Fuel, £126 a month. Total, £570 a month, plus whatever your service costs are. The Mini Electric, level one, £482 a month. Tax, nothing. Fuel, £30. Total, £510 plus service costs. £60 a month cheaper. If you want to go secondhand, the price differential really starts to work in your favour. As we mentioned before on the podcast, battery expert Ewan McTurk has done calculations where he proves that an old Ford Fiesta, which in his example he said I will provide for free, is actually more expensive to run than an EV with a financed purchase price of £6,000. It's all down to the fossil fuel purchase being included in the monthly cost rather than being excluded. Remember, traditionally, people look at the monthly repayments on their car to calculate how much it's going to cost them, and they don't include the regular running costs. With EVs, you look at the total cost of ownership, and you see that in many cases, it's cheaper. Finally, it's also worth remembering when chatting with your friends about this, that any household which has two vehicles or more has almost zero excuse for one of those vehicles not being an electric one. The range issue disappears when a second car is available, Charging doesn't play into it for the same reason. And I would suggest if you have two cars, then the price issue of a car isn't that much of an issue. If you couldn't afford one of them, you certainly couldn't afford two of them. Next time you're having these conversations with your friends about why you're driving an EV, these are the sorts of facts and figures you can introduce into the conversation to let them know that they might be someone who should also consider an EV. If all else fails and they're still one of the I need a thousand miles, the ability to tow a caravan and run a car 24 hours a day with no time to stop for a charge types, then they're probably not the sort of person you want as friends anyway. It's time to share a cool renewable or EV thing with you listeners. I mentioned this on the EV Musings newsletter that went out last week and I thought it might be worth bringing it to your attention if you haven't read or subscribed to that. We talk a lot about batteries and renewables on the podcast, so I thought how much would it cost to get an actual battery that you could use to run or charge things around the house? The answer is not as much as you would think. The Yeti 200X from Gold Zero is a lithium ion battery designed for home use. It's a portable one, reasonably small capacity, but it does allow you to charge up from your home power supply. So you can therefore use a time of day tariff and charge it up at cheap electricity overnight. You can then charge phones, laptops, or any other 12 volt items when the electricity price is higher. There's also a companion solar panel, which has a support stand, so you can position it at the right angle to get the most sunlight. With free solar charging and time of day charging, this looks like something that could save you money if used right. Links are in the show notes. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, use the EV Musings Twitter account, Musings EV. If you're wanting a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, my uh, ebook So You've Gone Electric is available on Amazon Worldwide. It's uh, free on Kindle Unlimited, or if you're ki- in the Kindle Lending Library. Otherwise, it's 99 pence or equivalent. Links for everything I've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review, preferably a nice, healthy five-star one, as it helps raise our visibility and extend our reach in search engines. 
Thanks as always to my co-founder, Simon. You know, he was telling me his productivity has gone way up during lockdown. He spends less time commuting and more time focused on what's important to him. I asked him what was that. He told me. Streaming video, Zoom and TikTok. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.